0: I'm Shane Twist and welcome to Behind the Beef, a podcast that gives you a look behind the scenes and into the everyday activities of the people behind the beef. As winter draws to a close and we head into the warmer months, this often means one thing for producers, the spring joining period. It is estimated that 60% of breeding activities occur during the spring season, whether it be natural mating, AI or embryo transfer. In preparation for that spring period, today's episode looks into the use of artificial insemination, or AI, in a breeding program. And to help with that, we are joined by Veto Australia, Territory Manager, Food Production, Animal Products, New South Wales and Queensland, Julie Pocock. Julie has lent us her brain to pick for a guide to artificial insemination. So, for producers not sure about AI and how it works into a breeding program, this podcast is the one for you. Let's jump into our chat with Julie. Thanks again for joining us, Julie, for the podcast today and taking some time out to speak with us. We really appreciate it. Can you give a little background into VetaClean Wet Pro 360 for those who are unfamiliar? Well, thanks again for
1: inviting us here today to have a, have a chat around um, all things AI. But um, for a bit of background for those of you who are unfamiliar, the Vettikinol Repro360 team is uh, obviously the livestock side of the Vettikinol team in Australia. Vettikinol being a family-owned uh, French-based company that is has products all around the world. Arts team in Australia, the Repro360 team, are uh, specialists in you know just doing repro so we are very very focused and don't have a lot of distractions because all we want to do is help our um, producers in that repro space and the reason why it's repro 360 because it's every phase from help on farm right through to the technical side of of your reproduction
0: needs so can you give us a little background into yourself and your role at repro 360. So
1: I'm a little bit of a
0: mixed bag. Uh,
1: so professionally, I'm a vet nurse and have worked in uh, an exotics clinic and also then have also have worked for other pharmaceutical companies in livestock and, and companion animal roles in uh, my other side of my life being my personal life so we're fifth generation seed stock producers a lot of butchers in the family and so beef cattle in particular has been something that as I said being fifth generation I've grown up in that space and uh, we still run a seed stock operation out of um yeah out of southeast
0: Queensland. Circling to the sort of topic of today's podcast for those who may be unfamiliar what is AI and how does the process work?
1: So AI obviously is how we all refer to it, but it's you know obviously short for artificial insemination. So to make it really simple, it's about uh, collecting a bull, freezing that semen into straws, and then those straws are defrosted and um, implanted into the cow. And basically we want to use that to produce a calf. You know we can get that simple. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. (laughs) There's a lot of different processes. Um, But, um, you know, it it is basically about being able to utilise genetics from around the world, not even just locally, through the use of AI and to to capitalise on whatever genetic gain you're looking for uh, within your herd, no matter how small or how large. Um, You know, it's a process that can be made work and tailored to your individual situation.
0: So, why do producers utilise AI within their breeding program broadly? So, it can be very varying from
1: from uh, you know each operation. I think that's the thing that when we look at every system is different. And the Australian beef industry, you know, for example, is is such a vast industry, and there's a huge variance from north to south in those, um, you know, in those operations, and therefore they'll use AI for very different reasons. Uh, in the South, it may be to, you know, access uh, international sires uh, from a stud perspective and to get that genetic gain, to get that next wave, um, uh, you know, when you're breeding stud bulls, obviously to get those newer genetics and, and continue to get that genetic gain and, and, and have that variance. Uh, we'll have small operations, um, you know, we're not massive myself and we utilise AI in our programme because it allows us to have genetic variants within our breed um, and within our herd and so, it, you know, that's a, another reason why a small producer might utilise AI over getting a bull that would cover their entire herd. And then we look at our, you know, really extensive, large operations and, you know, they may choose to use utilise artificial insemination in their heifers so that they can select bulls that are superior, you know, in their calving ease and bulls that are superior, you know, in that nice short gestation length and still give them um, those other traits that are desirable in those calves. And, um, you know, and then in the last couple of seasons, we've even seen bull producers, uh, bull buyers actually even looking at, you know, utilising AI to maximise the investment in the top bulls that they're purchasing. So by purchasing those top bulls, collecting them on farm and using them in an extensive AI program allows them to maximise their return on investment in one season from that, um, you know, that big investment on the on the dollar value that they've put on those good bulls but maximising the amount of calves that he would physically be able to cover in a season. So quite a few <laughs> big yeah, variants. It's, so, it's um, so
0: interesting and varied, isn't it?
1: It really is and it's it comes down to just like when people ask about programs, you know, there's such a big variance every operation is different and we really need to you know look at each one and there is lots of reasons why you would choose ai but i i can't find a reason why there would be a herd that wouldn't for any reason
0: so for those who sort of are considering it can you facilitate an ai program yourself or do you have to use a technician or a vet to do so So it needs to be
1: done in conjunction with a veterinarian at the minimum, mainly because, uh, depending, if you're going to run a fixed-iron program, yes, you will need to have veterinary um, assistance because a lot of the drugs are prescription medications that we use to synchronise cattle. Um, you can actually, there's some some great AI um, courses around the country. So as a producer, you can go or one of your staff can go and actually do an AI course. So the actual physical AI part of it, um, you can do yourself. Uh, you don't need to utilise a technician or a vet. But if you've never run a program before, I would really probably, you know, advise to seek the help, especially if you're looking at doing big numbers because Financially, it is an outlay and you want to get a good return. And so getting somebody else in to do the AI uh, really helps because it is a skill and it's a learned skill. And until you've done a lot of them, speaking from my own personal experience, you know, when I first did my first AI course and, you know, you come home and you're going to AI your cows. And I can, I can tell you that it's, um, you know, certainly it is something that takes a lot of practice. So, if you're jumping into AI for the first time this season, seek out a, a good vet or technician uh, in that area just to help hold your hand. And obviously, that's where we come in as part of our Repro 360 approach get in contact with us, and we can give you a list of providers in your area and um, get you guys connected and in touch with those providers. And these are providers that we know um, are very experienced and are very, very good at what they do, and they'll help you get great results.
0: So how can the success rates of AI vary due to factors such as environments and geographic location? Is there any research or evidence of that variation in AI? huge amount
1: of variation and there's a lot of factors that can and as you've mentioned environmental geographic locations every area will have its challenges you can be and I've seen herds that have had you know, been having great success even through the drought and then when the drought broke in the south and they got, you know, all of this, you know, wonderful feed growing, so fast-growing ryegrasses and and legumes like lucerne and things like that, which can be high in photoestrogens, which can actually interfere. So you've got these cattle in great condition um, and that can actually have a negative effect. So that nutrition is a really big key driver. You've got to have your nutrition correct and knowing that's going to vary regardless of where you're in the country it's going to vary for you specifically making sure the nutrition is right you don't want them underweight you don't want them overweight having them on a rising plane and utilizing the right type of fodder can make a big difference especially in heifers and and first calving cows you know those your first calving females um those are the ones where nutrition is so very important to get good results Obviously, underlying disease processes um, that could be going on within the herd can also impact them. Um, you know, things like Pestivirus and, and Vibrio can obviously have an impact on your success success race in any, in just joining in general, but definitely on your AI program. And then also making sure that your semen's a good quality. It's being stored and handled correctly. All of these different things can have an impact on the results that you get, and so it's important to wor- work through every step if you're pushing for great results.
0: I guess that circles back to particularly those who are sort of branching into it for the first time, why it's important to have those conversations and maybe work with someone who is accredited in the field to ensure that you're checking off all of those checklists and making sure that you're covering the need to know or need to have done things before you attempt to start your program, I guess.
1: That's right. It's exactly it. And I know that it's important because if you put that little bit of extra effort in, you will get those great results most of the time as long as your nutrition and that is sorted. So talking to somebody now uh, at this time of the year, looking at your spring breeding programs, that's ideal because it gives you the time that you need to correct things if you need to correct things and, um, you know, get the nutrition right and, uh, you know, get everything else planned and, um, you know, put that in place so that you do get good results. We, we want everyone to get good results. There's no point in, um, you know, that that's our whole reason why we have the 360 approach is to help it every step of the way
0: so ideally just bouncing off of that when it comes to your spring ai or embryo program or whatever it is when should you ideally start in the planning and management for that spring period now
1: (laughs) pretty much (laughs) so you know uh, i think around now i you know i'm already looking at our own herd and i know a lot of people are Thinking right, ours. You know, our cows that are you know we'll be we're calving in spring. That we're going to be joining those cows. Um, Where's their nutrition at? Making sure that they're you know if you're using a. a, Injectable, multi-min type of product, um, making sure that you're giving that ample time and, uh, you know, having a look if you're not sure, um, you know, what your nutrition is going to be like. We've had it, we were just chatting before about, you know, being such a wet winter, which has been nice for a change, but obviously checking what nutritional effect that can have um, on on your cows and, and correcting that. And also with freight being really unpredictable, I'll throw that one in as well, getting your semen organised, getting it purchased, getting it freighted either to your vet vet or technician or to yourself so that you've actually got it on hand. Do that now. Um, And um, if if you're looking to collect bulls, you know, collecting your own bulls, actually look at doing that now. That way it gives you some time up your sleeve if there's an issue um, with those bulls, um, you know, it gives them time to get themselves right um, to allow you to, you know, collect them in time for the program and things like that. So start checking things off. The earlier you get the the planning happening and get all of your ducks in a row, the more successful you'll be at the time and the less stressed you'll be. So you
0: touched on it briefly just about, body conditioning cattle to ensure sort of a successful AI program. So why is it important to utilize the post-weaning period and the first trimester to reach that appropriate body condition score in cows and heifers?
1: And cow and heifers and first you know those first carvers, you'll obviously see it's a huge impact on them nutritionally post-carving. So yeah. the you know the nutritional requirement is You know, they're still trying to grow themselves. They're now feeding a calf. And, um, you know, a lot of the time the feed might not be very good to start with. So it's really important to jump in and start feeding them post carving if you need to, because you want them on a rising plane. You don't want these girls losing weight and then trying to get that back. That's the hardest thing is to get those first carvers to put weight on whilst they're feeding a calf. So really important to, to hit that um and you know in that first you know first trimester or uh, well, post weaning period it's really important that you know you can do what you can to hold um the weight that they have uh, and then get them on a rise and um you know have them on a rise prior to joining yeah is always more successful in getting them rejoined than than not it's really just setting them up for the best chance of success in that joining period isn't it It is. And, you know, females are worth so much. You know, we're still, um, you know, obviously cattle in the industry, prices are good and you know you can set these females up to be maintained in your herd or you can lose them through a negative preg test and you know i think nutrition plays such a big part in that and also you know those other things like making sure that your bulls or the semen that you're using are good (laughs) from a fertility point of view you know don't blame it all on the cow you've got to make sure that you've checked those bulls as well and and if you're buying semen don't be afraid to get a straw checked by somebody who is very experienced in that area make sure the semen is good um you know you can't blame everything on the cow if she doesn't fall pregnant but um it is important to make sure that you're giving her every opportunity to fall pregnant so you retain her in the herd Um, and uh you know you're not having to color because she's empty and look at the moment yeah. yeah empty cows are still worth money right yeah we know that but we're trying to rebuild as you know as as a nation i think everybody's still in that rebuild phase and so trying to set those cows up for life as heifers and first carvers is so important you know second third fourth carvers those girls are you know they're a lot easier to maintain and continue to get in calf. but we need to look after these young girls and make sure we're we continuing to set them up to keep them in the herd for life
0: yeah are there different management practices people should be considering for multiparous, primiparous primoparous cows and maiden heifers to ensure optimum fertility in the ai program yeah, I think so.
1: I think that it's it's never a one-size-fits-all um, and it's not a one-size-fits-all across, you know, from property to property that's going to be a big variance, but I think it is important that you need to be prepared to manage those first carvers differently. Yeah, And, you know, if we're having a good season, you might need to be prepared to manage those heifers differently as well because you don't want them getting over-conditioned. um prior to joining as heifers so I think those two groups I think it's really important that you need you, you know you might have a great season with and the nutrition might be great and you might not need to do that with your first carvers and they may be fine to run with the rest of the mob but I think being prepared that you may need to look after those girls a little bit more and segregate them um you know, I think that's not a bad thing to have in the back of your mind and be, you know, obviously taking the time to check on those girls and implement changes into the
0: nutritional regime if you need to. How do you select which females to AI and does it really vary from producer to producer? Yeah,
1: look, one of the things that, you know, occasionally you hear and it's like, oh, we're going to AI these this group of cows because um, they haven't been taking to the bull. Well, you know, I think that's probably the group you don't choose. (laughs) Um, So, um, you know, I I think you need to start, you know, look a little bit deeper there as to why they haven't taken to the bull. Um, So, you know, that's a group you wouldn't choose. Um, I think it depends on your situation, whether you are doing a blanket heifer program um, or whether you're going to select a group of females. So it can either be whether you want to select a group of females that may be um, a little bit under par on a particular trait and it allows you to segregate those females and, and select a bull that's really high for that trait and, you know, use that ability to get genetic improvement across that mob um, or, you know, selecting, um, you know, the females that you're wanting to maximise the calves by, so using an embryo transfer AI in that situation. And, you know, utilising really, really high-quality bulls over those high-quality females uh, is obviously going to get you, you know, yeah, those optimal calves. And it depends what you're breeding, whether you're breeding steers um, and or whether you're breeding bulls, I suppose, um, does vary as to what mob you would choose. Uh, but, yeah, choosing a, choosing a mob because there's potentially a fertility issue, uh, AI is not going to be your answer. So
0: <laughs> fix that. Right. So you mentioned fixed-time AI earlier, but what is fixed-time AI and how does it differ from conventional AI?
1: So AI, basically artificial insemination, is, is as we said, just artificially introducing that semen um, into the cow and, you know, obviously wanting to produce a pregnancy. Where we come to synchronisation and synchronisation, whether it be um, just straight synchronisation or a fixed-time program, what we're wanting to do is either synchronise estrus or synchronise ovulation. And where this comes in play is that we use um, a protocol that's been designed for that mob of, of females. And the protocol will basically mimic, um, you know, 10 days of the cow cycle and will actually allow you to pick a day that you want to AI 400 females on, you know, or 200 yeah. or 50 or 10. Um, pick a day. You synchronise them, generally nine to ten days out, you will start the program um, and utilise um, a Qmate or an intravaginal progesterone device and some injections to synchronise um, the estrus and ovulation of those females. It allows you to then AI them all as a mob on the one day. So it helps with utilising staff time. It helps with, um, you know, not having to... Basically, if you wanted to do that mob of 200 without synchronising them, you would have to check them every day, draft off those and bring them to the yards to AI, those that have come on to heat naturally. And so it's really, really labour intensive. Yeah. Um, both ways can get you great results. It just depends on what works. You know, you might have, you know, 10 cows that you're wanting to AI, AI. Um, and and you know just doing a natural if you've got a technician or your AI them yourself you might be able to do that, but um, by synchronising them um, into estrus and to ovulate they'll ovulate in about a four hour window so it gets pretty uh, pretty timed and you can get some great results with with um you know very structured <laughs> structured input um, yep. you know what days you've got to do what with the cattle and um, it, it goes usually fairly well so it's a lot easier way to do it especially if we're talking any sort of numbers.
0: Yeah. For those considering AI and not quite sure, or those who probably they're looking at their program and going, does this fit in and does my sort of outlay that I'm putting in here, will I get a return on investment? How can integrating an AI program affect a business in the long term financially and be worth it for producers who aren't sure whether it will fit into what, you know, how they've been doing their day to day?
1: Yeah, look, There's the beauty about that is we have the MLA trial that was conducted um, and has been getting presented on, uh, looking at exactly that, (laughs) you know, integrating a fixed time program into a commercial operation. And in the program, they did half to AI and half to the bulls. So they actually, it was a comparison trial and they actually factored down and worked out the costing. And certainly without even thinking about the genetic gain, AI definitely, you know, can come out in front and um, be a a very useful tool that financially can get you some great gains. So one of the big ones that I think for myself that I look at it is, you know, yes, you're going to get genetic gain in those calves, but by, you know, reducing, uh, selecting bulls specific for those, this was heifers, specific for those heifers, you know they were able to re- reduce dystocia. They were able to get those heifers calving down with you know heavier calves and and you know that heavier calves at weaning because they had that nice short gestation. They were earlier than the than the bull cows. But you know all of those little benefits. I think AI certainly um, yes it is an outlay, but where I look at it even from as a smaller producer or even for your top females. The outlay to buy semen in those top bulls versus buying that bull, um, or the outlay is to investing in that really high-priced but high-quality bull, and then utilizing AI to spread that genetics throughout your herd more than he can on his, on his own. Mm. The genetic benefit to the genetic benefit, but also the financial benefit to that can be huge. You know, yeah. like it really can be, and I think you know that's something more and more. You know people can, you know, really utilise. You think about how many cows can that bull cover in one season versus if I utilise him in an AI program and then put him out as a cover bull. You know, you can really, really maximise the financial return on that investment by actually integrating fixed time into your program rather than just using those good bulls. Do
0: you find there's a big difference between the uptake in AI sort of in... The different parts of Australia, I'm thinking up north, for example, where they're quite vast operations. Is there a high uptake in AI in those areas? And maybe even the difference between commercial and seed stock producers? Do you find that there is uptake in sort of commercial operations in the north? Or maybe smaller sections of their herds for AI? Or is there a gradual uptake in it over time where more sort of resources come out to help producers understand how they can utilise it in their programs?
1: That's always a hard one to measure. You, I find that the programs in the north are always larger. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, if they're going to do it, they're going to go big, um, you know, and, and that. you A lot of the corporate operations throughout Queensland integrate um, fixed-time pro AI programs. Um, throughout their operations and it's certainly something that I suppose is very much driven by the cattle market and the seasons. So the seasonality in the north um, can be so vast and obviously if it's a drought situation, um, you know, things like this, you know, probably aren't utilised as much as they would be in a good season. Um, In the south, um, it's probably... probably nearly 50-50. There's a lot of commercial operations that are utilising AI within their programs. So I think it certainly is, is probably more even spread than what we would think. And I I do think that most stud operations would utilise some degree of AI. Yeah. You know, whereas, yeah, it was probably maybe around that 50-50 with the commercial guys. But it's certainly something that they're looking at more and more. And you know there is obviously a, a big uh, generation of young um, managers and things coming through that I think are are seeing the benefits of of utilizing this type of technology where they can actually, especially in the north, where it can make a big difference and and introduce some different different genetics into
0: their commercial operations. Yeah. So you mentioned protocols before and there is obviously no one-size-fits-all for protocols for programs, but how can revising your protocol with an experienced professional assist in gaining better results when AIing? and how can your protocol vary within your own operations across various herd types?
1: Yeah, it's always a good one and it's always one like uh, I'll give you some, you know, from experience. Obviously I run, if I'm running just an AI program with some cows at home, I will run probably a different program to what I do when we are AIing in conjunction with ET. So, you know, the program that we run for our donors will run a very similar protocol for our AI cows at the same time and our recipes. But then we will turn around and if it's a straight AI program, I might run a different protocol. And then heifers, obviously heifers will look at them as well. And, um, you know, so there's, it is so hard because there's so many different <laughs> protocols. Yeah. Um you know a standard four handling um benzoate based program is a really good predictable program for a lot of cattle. Um and you'll get really good results with that. But i think it's certainly something that if you've been running with a protocol and getting great results then you know you stick with your protocol. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um but You might also find that there is other ways and it's not always, you know, we'll get people that will want to do the least amount of handlings or the least amount of effort. And sometimes that will get you good results. Sometimes it might not. So um, just because somebody says, hey, I use this protocol and I only had to do this many handlings or I only had to do this, they might've got 5% less, you know, and at the moment that can make a big difference. But it also might have been the right protocol. So it certainly can make a huge difference. And if you think about it, by getting a health check done on your, um, you know, on your artificial progr- uh, reproduction programs for the season, that's what we say. Come and get a health check on it. Come and talk to somebody. Let us run through the program with you. Let us run through your, your property, your cattle, your, cat- you know, mobs that you've selected to AI. Let's have a look at the protocol you're looking at using. See if we can make any suggestions or any any guidance. We might say great protocol, stick with it. Or we might be able to give you some of the, you know, most current information and tweak it a little bit to help you drive for that extra 5% this year, you know. And think about what that can do to, you know, your bottom dollar, over 100 cows, an extra 5%, an extra five calves that can make it, you know, at the moment, that, that's actually some decent amount of return um, for that extra 5%. So, um, you know, it can make a big difference. And we're learning things all the time. The beauty of being a global team and a team focused on reproduction means that we are in touch constantly uh, with, with global leaders in the reproduction space and it allows us to relay, relay back to producers you know the current thinking and the you know the current knowledge that and protocols and what's actually getting and
0: driving those results uh, from around the world. So how can the right progesterone device impact your AI program and how are they used?
1: Yeah, so the progesterone device um is used to basically mimic the high progesterone levels in you know the that what would generally be the middle of that cow's twenty one day cycle where the progesterone is high, towards the end of her cycle, that progesterone will drop and allow the other hormones to surge to signify um, that cow to ovulate, um, to keep that really simple. I've got a great slide that I show when I do um, trainings on this and uh, when you show all of the different underlying hormones, it shows you just how complex a cycle is. But having the right progesterone device is really important. The reason being is, you know, we... It is important to have enough progesterone on your side. And in certain situations, you know, having a bit lower progesterone is warranted. So the biggest difference in that we would strongly recommend is heifers versus cows, for instance, where you've got maiden heifers and, you know, there is no need to use a full device in a lot of cases. Occasionally there is. My own heifers, I do use a full device, uh, but, the, you know, we're looking at 500 kilos or so adjoining. So they're big heifers, Um, but your average heifers um, using a uh, single pod cumate um, allows you to just tailor the progesterone amount back um, for that heifer, because what she's going to metabolise in drug versus a a wet cow, there is going to be a difference. Once we get, um, you know, first carvers through, so those cows that have um, now had their first calf, second calf, whatever, they will metabolise a lot more drug. And so their use and demand for progesterone to maintain that high level of progesterone that we're trying to mimic from the middle of that cow cycle is going to be very different to that of a heifer. And so that's where it becomes important to make sure that you are using enough progesterone for the mob that you are wanting to AI and synchronising and then obviously on the flip side making sure that, um, you know, you're not giving too much drug to a heifer because what can happen is the progesterone level won't drop fast enough for when you want her to actually ovulate so you won't get those surges in those other hormones because the progesterone will still be too high Um, we actually find more often than not with some things you know using those low dose progesterone devices in cows um, that's the flip side is if you don't have enough progesterone in the device it won't actually hold them and they'll cycle too early You'll have your vet or technician coming out to AI or if it's yourself you're thinking, right, on the program, I've got an AI on this time, um, but your cow's already well ovulated because the progesterone dropped off before you pulled the device in. So very, very important and it can actually have a huge impact on your results to make sure that you're using the right right progesterone device and the, also the right amount of your other injections as well so circling back as opposed to that you know one of those early questions if it is your first program just make sure that you're getting that great
0: advice um, from the specialists in this area within australia and so what are some important things to remember when it comes to ensuring the safe usage of these devices
1: yeah cleanliness cleanliness, cleanliness is probably the first one <laughs> um making sure um that you're utilizing them um in a in a really nice clean way uh we find i don't find any need to use lube but we do use Hibitane or betadine water solution making sure that you're cleaning the applicator in between cows just removing any manure and things or contaminants that you're getting on the applicator and by having them in water things like that in the Hibitane water and things it really helps when it's dusty um, to doing those. If it is an overly dusty set of yards, it's really, really important. You do not get that problem at the moment, but it is really important to make sure that you're trying to minimize it. You know, working in situations where they're running cattle in and around you and creating more dust whilst you're trying to um, you know, implant those devices. I think that can, you know, certainly help um. Increase the chance that you could introduce some dust and dirt in intravaginally when you put the device in. So making sure you do that. Um, There's a lot of conversation around reuse of devices and it's certainly something that I would be very cautious about, um, reusing devices that don't have a reuse claim. So uh, Qmates are the only ones that do have a reuse claim because it has been studied. And, um, you know, making sure that that device, if it is a reuse one, hasn't been used on another farm is also really important. So making sure that, you know, you're keeping that cleanliness and, um, you know, reusing a device, you are going to have a varying amount of progesterone. So you do run the gauntlet of having too much or not enough as well. So being safe, making sure they're nice and clean and making sure the device um, is correct, I think is is really important
0: checklist of must-haves that people should be considering when they're preparing for their spring AI program, as in sort of what are the top tips for producers?
1: So my top tips, first of all, probably in order of planning, would be start getting nutrition in check now, making sure you're addressing any deficiencies or potential deficiencies. The next step would be booking in your vet or technician. Uh, booking your time in now, picking a day and just going, right, This is we're going to aim for this day, but booking them in wherever you can because there is going to be a lot of competition for their time and I think it's really important to get in early. Uh, the third step, uh, so nutrition, book in your, in your provider and then the th- third step would be organise your semen so that you've got that on farm. So those are the, the semen and then, you know, fourthly, organising the drugs and things that you need in the lead up to your program. Check off all of those four things because that means that you're going to have everything that you need to utilise to actually conduct your, you know, your AI program. Um, And then, you know, reach out. If you haven't done one before, reach up to us. Um, I do quite a lot and so does Shane in the south. He's our our southern rep. Um, We actually do quite a bit of jumping out on farm and actually helping you set up your program and, you know, put your teammates in for the first time and, you know, just help to facilitate that the flow goes a lot smoother uh, we get you doing most of it, but it's nice to be there to have someone just to answer questions and take that stress away. So that's probably the top five things that I would, um, you know, tell producers to be doing now and get themselves all set up for a really successful program come spring.
0: So what are some preventable mishaps that producers should be sort of warned about if they are not prepared?
1: Yeah, so the one that we obviously have battled the last couple of years, thanks to freight, is um, semen and drugs not arriving on time. (laughs) So giving yourself plenty of time. Uh, The next one that uh, a mishap that can happen is uh, bulls getting in. So making sure that your AI mob, your synchronised mob, uh, preg tests them um, before you start is sometimes a really good idea um, in certain situations Um, and, you know, making sure that you're checking them and then when it's your program, keep the bulls locked up or away because you're going to have multiple cycling females all together and uh, yes so making sure your bulls are very very secure during that time because you will have spent all of that time and money planning your program just for the bulls to get in so um, that's that's another mishap that can definitely happen um, other little things is sometimes it does pay to have some extra um, drugs on hand for your synchronization program because occasionally bottles get dropped and broken um, you know or you might spill something or whatever so you know, if you're doing it, you know, however many head you're planning to do, just make sure you have a little bit of extra up your sleeve. And same with the semen. If you've got 100 head to AI, don't just get 100 straws of semen. I'd get a few extra because straws can split um, or explode. There can be errors at, at times, you know, for whatever reason. So making sure you've got all of those boxes ticked so you think, okay, what might I need? And just get a little bit extra of it because it may, can help. Um, have a backup plan in case your technician gets unwell um, or injured. So, have a backup plan. Um, it doesn't happen very often, obviously, obviously, but do just have a little backup plan. Um, you want to obviously still AI those cows. Thinking of little mishaps that could happen, that's probably the
0: ones that spring to mind the most. No, it's good to know. <laughs> Definitely good to know. Considering all of what we've discussed today, if someone's contemplating AI for the first time, what should they be considering first?
1: Yeah, well, look, I would probably first jump on the phone and reach out to one of our team and we can certainly help them. Um, you know, we don't, I think it's reassuring to the producers to know that we actually don't sell the product to you guys so, you know, we obviously manufacture the products, but what we're here for you is we're here as your advice. Um, we're here as your support network, and we're here to put you in touch with the people that are in your area. So a really nice place to, to start is jump on the Repro360 website, reach out to us. There's heaps of resources on there as well if you want to just have a look through some stuff. And I know Angus Australia have also got some great resources available to their members. So utilising those two platforms I think is a great place to start. and. And then start, you know, once you sort of get a bit of an idea who the providers are in your area, jump on the phone to them and have a have a chat through things. Um, think about questions that you want to know, and um, you know talk them through the type of cattle that you're looking at putting in the mob to ai and just get their guidance around it because they'll be local to you so they will have a good insight into potential things to look out for in your area so start with angus australia and ourselves over at the repro 360 page and um you know we can definitely help and guide you from there if it's it's your first time
0: Great! Right, I think you might have just answered my next question about where people can find further resources to educate themselves. <laughs> <I> love it! <laughs> <laughs> and finally, just based off of uh, a question that we ask all of our guests, how do you have your steak?
1: Well, you would think, um, being a butcher's wife, I would have uh, have it differently, but I'm a medium well, so oh. I actually. <laughs> and my theory is, um, as a seed stock producer and, and, and being a butcher's wife, I go, you know what? If the beef's good enough, it should eat well no matter how it's cooked. So I do <laughs> have, have, I have say, a medium I well I have,
0: I have a similar philosophy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's my philosophy. It's good enough quality. It doesn't matter if it's medium well; it's still eat really well. So there you go.
0: Great. Well, thanks again for that, Julie. I hope that all of our listeners got a bit of an insight into ai So thank you for sharing your knowledge of it with us today.
1: No, thanks for having me on. It's been great. And um, like I said, we're all a pretty friendly bunch over here and as are you guys. So reach out, start planning and everyone will have a successful spring breeding, let's hope.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in for another one. Considering today's podcast centred around that spring joining period, to further assist members in their AI program, the 2022 Spring Bull Night will once again take place Wednesday, August 24th from 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. This event is not to be missed by anyone considering Angus for their spring AI program. The event channels spring ball nights of the past and provides Angus breeders a showcase of the latest release, AI Sires, and will be hosted via the Angus Australia YouTube and Facebook channels. The following eight organisations with current semen catalogues listed with Angus Australia will be presenting their offerings. Worldwide Sires, ABS Australia, Genetics Australia, Alter Genetics, Breeder Genetics, Agrogene, CMEX Australia and Glatz Black Angus. For further information about the upcoming Spring Bull Night, please contact Angus Australia Extension Manager Jake Phillips at 02 6773 4600. And that's all we have time for. Make sure you've subscribed, rate, and review the podcast and follow Angus Australia and Angus Youth Australia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again, and we'll catch you on the next one.